What's up, guys? This is Meme Lord Monday. I um, this is a solo podcast. It's just me. Um, I'm gonna be looking at myself. I'm I'm not comfortable enough to look into the camera. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Was you know I've done this enough. Maybe later. Maybe maybe uh you know no premarital no premarital eye contact, guys. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm already married, and so the only person who gets my eye contact is uh my wife. So deal with it. <clears throat> Anyways, dudes, I wanted to do a special solo podcast about this mini series I've been doing about the LGBTQ community and how we can best communicate with them while not compromising on what we believe. So I, about me, you know, I am an unaffirming Christian, um, meaning I don't believe that uh, the LGBTQ plus lifestyle is compatible with Christianity. However, I think we need to, those of us who believe like I do, I think we need to do a better job of communicating to that community without being hateful, without being, you know, unloving and, and, and you know, unnecessarily unloving. So I explored different ways on how we can do that. And uh, the first way was, you know, they ask us to use pronouns sometimes that make us uncomfortable. And so I had a conversation with my buddy, Michael Moore of Honest Youth Pastor. And I told him, hey, I don't mind using people's pronouns. I think it's something that we can do that doesn't cause us to sin. And he disagrees, but he's willing to love them by, you know, affirming their name. He'll, he'll take a different approach, which I don't think is wrong either. Um, and I think if we're tactful and loving, we can, we can find a happy medium. And so during, that was the first episode. The second episode was, uh, an old interview that I did with, um, queer identifying artist, <laughs> Grace Baldridge. She is currently touring with, or she was, I'm not sure where she's at right now, but she was with Reliant K. Um, and she's just blown up. She was like the top of like Christian charts for a while. And uh, she just shook things up because, you know, she's, she's queer. She's a, she's a married lesbian. Um, and she is Episcopalian. So, you know, she, uh, she has, has, has self-proclaimed herself as Christian. You know, a lot of people would disagree with that. I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to even talk about that. I'm just here to say, this is what she says about herself. Um, we had a good conversation. She helped me understand a lot of the perspective of the LGBTQ community. You know, she's in that community and she helped me understand different ways on how we can commu communicate with them and, and certain things to keep in mind with when talking to them. So that was helpful. And I hope you listened to both those episodes. Um, but I want to, like I said, I'm going to take this episode to address some of your thoughts and answer some of your questions and objections. I'm open to it. Um, like I said, I could be wrong. I could be wrong in what I believe. But before I get into that and, and go there, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, some of the things that I'll talk about here in this episode might be difficult to listen to. Um, it might be triggering for those of you who are in the LGBTQ community. But I want I, more than anything, I want you to know that I'm doing this so that we can help repair, um, you know, the, the bridges that we've burned with you guys. I want to see how we can best love you guys and, and maybe earn back some of the, um, the, the trust that we've lost from you guys. And I think it's important that we do that. I think it's important that we humble ourselves as Christians who have mistreated you for a very long time. Um, 
that we treat you with humanity and dignity and that we love you as we are commanded as Christians to do. Um, and the way that our love has not been that, um, you know, we need, we need to acknowledge that. So that's what I want to do here. Um, also, I'm going to probably, I'm going to keep this episode unedited as best as possible. So you can get the raw experience of the, okay, that sounded weird. <laughs> so you can get, so you can get the, you know, the total experience uh, of what I'm trying to portray here. And also I'm moving back to Pennsylvania. I'm living in Florida right now. I'm moving back to Pennsylvania this Friday. So I just want to get this out there and have you have it available for you guys on Monday. Uh, I just don't, I wouldn't have the time really to edit this. Anyways, let's get right into it. Um, when I, when I first dropped the, the pronoun interview that I did with Michael Moore, I'm on his youth pastor. I got a lot of feedback there. And the, the very first one, and I'm still talking with her now. Uh, her name is Emily. And she was, she's was she been DMing the Meme Lord Monday uh, Instagram page. And we've been talking. Um, and I think we've been having a great conversation. But she first started like this. She said, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Wow. What is wrong with me? If you hold traditional conservative christian views you also hold transphobic homophobic views you do not love and respect lgbtq people no matter how tactfully you approach your approach is or, or your interactions are with them and so i told her i was like i'm not sure if that follows um i can understand how some people would feel that way if i don't if i'm not affirming their lifestyle and i know that's a big deal but I still think that you can love somebody that you disagree with. I mean, I think we disagree with everybody to to some degree, um, you know, and, and this might be a deeper issue because like it's their lifestyle and it's their, their identity. But I think we can go pretty far as far as how, how much love we can show towards them. Um, so I, I told her that and I was like, I, I don't, I think you, it's hard to tell me that I can't love you because we disagree. Because I think there's a certain amount of love that I can express to you and I can show you, um, you know, that we can agree upon. Sorry, my son's going to sleep. So right now I'm going to hear some baby screaming in the background. But like, for instance, I have friends who are, uh, you know, atheist or nihilistic and they would disagree wholehearted with, with me. Like, I think it would be offensive to them if I said, you can't love me the way that you know you, you're 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 not loving to me no matter how tactful your approach is to me i mean that would be insulting to them as far as like the way that they're expressing their love towards me would be and i think emily and i agreed upon that um you know we need to be very careful though when somebody makes takes this stand uh because they're saying they're saying a lot there so i think i you know i i try i treaded very carefully with my interaction with emily uh, but I appreciate her discussion, and we've been talking a lot about why I believe what I believe, and she's been sharing why she believes what she believes, and it's been a good discussion, I think. So thanks, Emily, for reaching out, and I'm really enjoying talking with you. Um, another comment from the pronoun post that I did. I got a lot of really great comments from the pronoun uh, promotional post that I did. Um, I'll go. I'll go like the objections first so sarah she commented saying by calling someone their preferred pronouns you're basically affirming their sin you're you're being okay with the sin that they do and not just that but going along with it and pretending like it's not a problem 
Hmm. I don't believe you need to immediately say, no, you're wrong and argue with them, but just avoid using any pronouns. Thinking you're another gender is a sin issue and or a mental health issue when a person is hallucinating or thinks they are someone or something they are not. You do not go along with their delusion as it would harm them more and is not is just not true. Sorry, I'm really bad at reading. I'm reading. I'm horrible. You acknowledge they believe. You you acknowledge what they believe. Oh my gosh. You acknowledge they believe that, but you never actually pretend along with them. Uh, the, the more people that feed into this lie and pretend like it's normal and fine is furthering this person's delusion. So I understand where she's coming from. Sarah is saying... She believes that that person is delusional, that they're they're wrong. They don't believe what they're believing is, is against what you believe. There's a lot going on there. I don't believe, I don't agree that it is a sin issue to uh, like to, to, to call somebody what they're asking to be called. I, she's saying that it would be a sin issue because you're affirming their delusion. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily my place to tell somebody that they're delusional or to instantly, you know, be combative to that person because I believe that they're delusional. In fact, I think it would be like if if even if I knew that person was delusional and insane, it would be very rude of me to that person to be like, you're insane and like call them what they are. Like that would be very rude. I think so. Um, I could be wrong. But I think we agree where you said here at the end, Sarah, you acknowledge that they believe what they believe, but you never actually pretend along with them. I think you can do that. I think you can acknowledge what they believe. And in doing so, you are acknowledging the fact that they are, that you, you are literally affirming their humanity by calling them what they're asking you to, to call them. Because that's how important it is to that person that you, you know, affirm their name uh, and who they've chosen to be. Uh, I don't think that's, is that a controversial statement to who they've chosen to be? I'm not sure. If it is, I apologize. But I think that's what we should do. I think we should, because there's so much that goes into that. And I, I kind of went into this just briefly with the pronoun discussion I had with Michael. There's a lot of trauma that is associated with when somebody is uh, transitioning or, or believes that they are... Um, Something that they are not, like with when they have gender dysphoria. I don't know if that's offensive or not. I'm, I apologize. I'm very ignorant on the topic. But I do know, and, and you know, just a little bit about me. I have been a social worker for almost a decade. I've worked with kids for a very long time. You know, since 2009, I've been working with kids, uh, at-risk kids, kids in the foster care system, kids that were in the judicial system, adjudicated youth. I've worked with, you know, with, with them for a long time. And I have uh, what's called trauma-based or trauma-informed training. And you learn that somebody who's experienced trauma, their brain is just completely different than somebody who does not have uh, trauma. Normally, and I don't want to say that somebody is has gender dysphoria because of trauma. That's a, that's a, that's a huge statement. And I don't want to say that and be offensive because there's a lot that goes into this. Um, and it's very complex. But I do want to say and I think this is something that is an objective truth. Somebody who is in the process of choosing their pronoun or, or their gender have they they I'm I'm pretty sure they have experienced trauma f 
from society and from people who would reject what they're what they're doing or who who they, they believe that they are their identity i believe that that's not a stretch from the truth so if you're if somebody comes up to you you know there's they're like hey my name is tim please call me they them or you know and they're presenting as a female um and you refuse to address them as a male or they them or anything like that that can be extremely offensive and if anything can cause more trauma towards that person's uh journey um i i think that should that should be something that is clear um as we understand how we interact with this community we should understand that we are we we can um perpetrate more trauma to this community by simply not calling them their name because it is that important to that person whether or not we agree or we feel that they're delusional i think if you're just meeting that person i mean is it really that important are you really affirming are you really going that far and encouraging that person's delusion you know if you're just meeting them like maybe maybe you're just being kind to that person if you understand, like I said, if you understand this person is delusional or insane, it would still it would be a therapeutic, pastoral, and kind thing to to say, hey, yeah, you are, you know, XYZ. Um, in order to make a connection with that person, just for that. I mean, as Christians, I mean, I think it's if anything, it might be sinful to not pursue that connection. It might be it might be sinful to to knowingly inflict trauma on that person. I think so. It could be wrong, but like that's why I have the position that I have is because I believe one, we've inflicted as Christians a lot of trauma and hurt upon this community. Two, you can perpetuate that by 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 just rejecting that person's name and something that should be innocuous, in my opinion. It should be something that's harmless. Um, I don't think, like, it, I think it. You have to stretch it to say that you are sinning by calling that person their name or, you know, or what have you. Um, I don't think it follows that you are affirming sin um, by calling somebody a name. And I think my buddy, Mike, uh, Michael Moore of Honest Youth Pastor, I think he also agrees that it's not sinful to call that person, you know, a certain name, or it's not sinful to address them by their pronouns. Um, He just would say that he feels uncomfortable and he feels that he would rather take other avenues, which I don't think are wrong. Um, but I think we can be extra graceful, extra gracious, extra loving to these people, you know, to this people group if we did do that. Um, so that's what I believe. And that's how I would answer that objection. Um, here, give me a second here. I'm going to pull up another question. One, two, three. Okay. I'm just making sure I'm recording because I actually recorded this once and the, the mic <laughs> didn't work. Oh, man. Huge L. Okay. Ian, he said, guess the question comes down to, does using someone's pronouns mean you are affirming their worldview? Honest youth pastor seems to think so, and he prefers to avoid it at the cost of some stricter pushback. I'm intrigued with your approach. I think he's talking to me. After listening to you, I don't think it's wrong, but it certainly requires discernment. I agree. Um, I'm just going to you know interject that. I agree. You approach the situation with a much different goal, I think. Uh, trying to be as ironic and I don't know if that's a word. If if it is, that's awesome. I don't, that's a great word. And hus- hus- hospitable. 
to them as possible with the intention of clarifying your position later. Yeah, that's that's my position. And I love that. Although I don't think it is the best approach for every interaction, I think it's a great way to deal with closer relationships with a long-term goal. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, and that is literally my goal, that he explained my intentions and my goal perfectly. I think an initial meeting, you can be hospitable and catering to that person by just calling them whatever they're asking you to call them. And then after the relationships develop, then you can say, hey, just so you know, this is what I believe. I still love you, but this is what I believe. And, you know, we can we can go from there. Um, but I think I think we would be doing uh, greater justice to the na- the name of Christianity, the name of Christ, if we, you know, seek that connection, if we seek that relationship first. That's my perspective. That's my position. So thanks, Ian. Um, okay, here's somebody but that goes by the name of Vegan. <laughs> That's what I see in their screen name, so I'm just going to call him Vegan. I got to agree with Honest Youth Pastor, they said this, on, on this one. Calling someone they, them. And let me just say, if you are in the LGBTQ community, um, this might be a little triggering, this comment. Um, so just brace for impact on this one. Calling someone they, them, Zezer, Toy Clown, whatever the heck out there is a compromise to me. Uh, one I am not willing to budge on. To me personally, it seems like you give someone an inch, as in let them intimidate you into referring to their strange pronouns, and they'll take a mile, which is honestly what a lot of Christians have done in the past in the past few years, we are called to be salt of the earth. Salt is used to preserve, to stop things from decaying, which is what society is doing right now. Sin is running rampant because the church has lost its spine and bent the knee to bail, so to speak. We need to stand firm in love, of course, and not bow down to these things. To love, not judge, but to stand up against lies and not affirm them. Okay, I understand where she's coming from. And I, I understand that, you know, vegan is interested in preserving uh, Christian's tradition and not willing to to change. And she feels like this would be a compromise that would be giving them an inch and allowing them to, you know, go for, go further. Um, where my position is, I think we should. The internet is more accessible than it's ever been. And with that has come an absolute pandemic of people addicted to pornography. This addiction statistically is affecting Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a problem. Porn is a human problem, but Covenant Eyes provides a human solution. Covenant Eyes helps you and the ones you love live porn-free through transformative accountability relationships. With Covenant Eyes, you choose someone that you know and trust to walk with you as your ally and to hold you accountable for your online behavior. Me and my friends use it, and I've seen it firsthand break the bonds of addiction in people's lives. This stuff works. So basically what you do is you download the Covenant Eyes app, it tracks the activity on your devices, and your friend, who's your ally, gets a victory app which shares your activity feed right to their phone. You and your ally will be able to celebrate victories together and have honest and caring conversations about your successes, setbacks, and triggers. Nothing works better than this. If you struggle with pornography addiction online and you're ready to see some victory in your life, download Covenant Eyes and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Try it out. I've gotten so many success stories from this app, and that's why I'm so happy that they've chosen to sponsor Meme Lord Monday. Again, that's Covenant Eyes. Use the link in the show notes of this episode and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Victory over addiction has never been easier. 
affirm their humanity and we should do as much as possible to love them. Because at the end, very end, you said we need to do all these things in love and not judging um, while also standing up to lies and not affirming them. Like when you say not affirming them, I, I, I believe we need to be very careful with that. Because like I said, their very identity and humanity is at risk here. And if you're going to dehumanize a person, I think that is un- unchristlike. I think, you know, full stop. I think that is unchristlike to completely dehumanize someone. And I think vegan would agree. However, I think she's also trying to preserve the, you know, Christian values and, and principles here. So all I'm saying is I think we can, I think it is a compromise that is un, is not sinful. And as you're not being intimidated into a bullied into using their pronouns, I, you know, it's just something that I believe is a, is a common courtesy. It's, it's something that we, w- we would afford to anyone. Yes, this is outside of like our, our worldview and our gender view. I, yes, I understand that. And I think we, like I mentioned earlier, we need to keep in mind that we've been hurtful and hateful to this community. So standing firm when it, when it looks as though it's dehumanizing, hurtful, and hateful, I think you are not doing, uh, uh, you're not representing Christ well when you do that. And if they are telling you, you are being hurtful, dehumanizing, and hateful um, in doing a certain thing, and doing that th- certain thing would not be sinful on your end, I think, you know, we need to think about that. How can we, how can we recover some lost ground? And I think in recovering lost ground, we need to extend like extra grace to this community uh, to, to, to heal and repair um, how, how much we've lost with this community. That's, you know, I'm, I'm just reiterating my position, but I understand where she's coming from. We need to, yes, of course, maintain Christian principles um, and, and stand firm for truth. And where we can stand, where I think that these two things can meet is where we can stand for truth in love. And I think tr- the truth is best revealed when we've made connections and loving relationships with people. Um, otherwise, we are, we are cutting ourselves off from relationship with that person on, upon initial meeting, which is like, are you willing to risk that? Are you willing to be more hurtful to that person when you don't, we don't necessarily need to be? Uh, are you willing to potentially inflict more trauma on this person when you don't need to be? I, I think we need to think about that. So that's my object. That's my pushback. Like if you have other thoughts on, on how I could be wrong, like I said, email me podcast at memes for Um, okay. Here's cat. Here's a quote. Here's a something from cat. She says, how is using male or female pronouns biblically compromising for Christians? Also, how are gender neutral pro- uh, uh, options prog- problematic? I think she's being like, dude, bro. I think those are gender neutral. Dude is always gender, gender neutral, I think. This is a problem made where actual problems exist, like displaced victims of war, political corruptions, the mullet as a returning hairstyle, things that matter. I agree. I think the mullet is uh, devastating our society. I think we need to do something about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, seriously, though, I don't think it is biblically compromising for Christians to use their pronouns. I don't think it is. Um, I don't think, and also I don't think using gender neutral pronouns are problematic, uh, like using dude or bro or yo or you, 
I mean, they isn't really problematic either, honestly. Uh, or calling that person by their name. I don't think these things are problematic. Um, but I think Kat makes a point. We shouldn't make problems where where there's deeper issues to be resolved. And I think the deeper issue here is that Christ is being misrepresented by Christians. And, and this people group has said, you are hurting me. Um, so we need to listen to that. When people say we are hurting them in the name of Christ, we need to listen to that. Obviously, you know, we need to be shrewd. The Bible says we need to be gentle as doves and shrewd as serpents. So we need to be wise in the way we approach this and tactful. Um, but if somebody's saying that, like that should really cause us to pause and really think about, you know, how we can, how we can remedy that uh, in a pastoral and loving way. Okay, let me get to one of these. I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. Um, Evan, my buddy Evan, he says, inclusive theology genuinely exists. Give it a chance. I like how Grace, he's talking about Grace Baldridge in the conversation we had, almost did a youth leader challenge to actually do the research. And if you come out the other end still not affirming, then it's cool. At least the work is done. I agree. So I'll talk a little bit more about where I'm at. There's a reason I am unaffirming. I, I don't find the affirming arguments to be convincing personally. I don't think that, excuse me, man, I haven't talked this much in a while, so I'm like really gassy and weird. Anyways, I, um, I've, I've read on, on the majority of the affirming uh, positions and why they believe what they believe. And I think Grace is right. If, if you are not affirming and you have not done the research and you haven't taken the time to figure out why the opposition holds the position that they do. Um, I think that's, you know, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I think if you're going to have a position, you should know why you have it and not just parrot what people have told you, what your parents have told you, what your church has told you, what you've seen people say. I mean, look into those arguments and decide for yourself whether or not um, you, you feel it's true or not. I, I'll give you my reasoning why I'm not affirming. I, I feel as though the language of one flesh union is inherently described to male and female. So therefore, scripturally uh, and historically, male and, male and female um, would be the equation for what a true one flesh covenant marriage union would be. And, you know, there's other terms like porneia that talks about sexual immorality. Um, it's always been described in a really negative light. It's like, it's never, ever been um, something that's been, in, you know, it's always been condemned in scripture. And pernea, the word pernea is like the word that's been used for fornication. And that has exclusively, to my understanding, has been, has been exclusively understood to describe uh, anything that is outside a male and female covenant relationship. Uh, and, you know, sexually speaking. So that, that, that's my conviction. And I, if, you, if you disagree, that's fine. I understand why you disagree. I truly do. I've looked into the, the arguments, you know, what scholars believe and why they believe what they believe. And I encourage you to do the same. I, you know, if those of you who have not studied the opposition, please do that. But that's why I am unaffirming. And that's why I believe what I believe. I just, I have not found the affirming arguments to be convincing. Um, but Grace makes a point. Please do that. Don't bash the Bible over people's heads that are affirming like they haven't already heard those arguments um 
which is one of the reasons why, like when I initially did that interview with, with Grace, people were like, you should have shared the gospel with her. I'm like, bro, she has heard the gospel. She's heard it. She grew up in church. You know, we have a different view. And she said that she's like, we have a different uh, understanding, understanding of interpretation. Um, and it gets into really weird ground as far as like me questioning her salvation. Like I, I believe what I believe, but for me to, to question her salvation, um, like uh, upon initially meeting her, I just met her. That's, you know, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, and I think there's ways that we can do that. Like Michael Moore from youth, honestly, pastor, he said that there's ways that we can navigate that and talk about the gospel in a way, um, that, you know, we can do it tactfully and lovingly, but that wasn't my mission with, with grace. My mission with her, like I said, was to just talk about how we can communicate with one another in a loving way, in a way that's beneficial for both of us. And I think we did that. Um, so thank you, Grace, if you are listening to this. I doubt you are, but whatever. Uh, okay, last one. My buddy, Aaron, from Australia. I can't do an Australian accent. Okay, he says, does the conversation always have to go there? Christians are called to spread the gospel, yes, but that doesn't mean every single interaction you have needs to revolve around the Bible. It could be more powerful as a witnessing story Wow, I almost said stool. Witnessing stool. <laughs> ah, bro. It could be more powerful as a witnessing tool to just be interested in them as a human rather than trying to boycott conversations to be worldview related. Uh, is it possible to have deeper conversations with somebody? It is possible to have deeper conversations with someone by listening, by being curious and asking questions. Goes a long way to strengthen and building relationships. That's what I've been saying. Like, we need to strengthen and build relationships. I think so. I think we do. If you don't think that, I am really calling um, the way you understand the gospel uh, into question. Like, I mean that. If you don't feel like, I know there's, like I said, I don't know if I said this earlier in this one or the other one I recorded, but if you don't feel like there's a relationship aspect of the gospel, like the Bible talks about discipleship, make disciples and discipleship is something that is like you have to do with person a person like one on one. Um, if you don't agree with that, uh, then I think you're also disagreeing with how we should love our neighbor and how that should be our very first priority, our number one rule. You know, love the Lord your God and love your you know love your neighbors. You love yourself. I, uh, that's a big calling for Christians uh, because you know Christ said that that's all the law hinges on that as Christians. That's what we are called to do. Yes, we love God, but yes, we have to love our neighbors. Um, and I think that sometimes we get caught up in the whole, you know, well, Jesus said, repent. Um, you need to repent and believe and, and things like that. I truly believe, I could be wrong with this. Maybe some of you Theo bros can co correct me on this. I truly believe that before Christ even got to that, he was already talking about God's love. He was talking, he was loving people. Like the initial interaction we had, he had with Zacchaeus, the initial interaction he had with um, the, 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 the woman caught in adultery, you know, whether that's in scripture or not, whatever, I'm not here to get into that. I think we see that Christ was loving first and then he said, go and sin no more. And I think that's the gospel approach. I think, I think that is the, the most tactful and loving approach. Um, that we can do as Christians is, is love first. 
because like we have like I said, we have to recognize the hurt that we've done as Christians, as as unaffirming Christians. We have to re- remember that we've damaged this community unnecessarily. Um or yeah, I think unnecessarily. I think we've created an incredible rift between us and this community. We've created trauma in this community. And that's heartbreaking to me. Uh, you know, like as Christians, we should not be causing trauma and hurt where there are other options to love that person. Um, you know, you can't over-encourage somebody. You can't over-love someone. My pastor, Benjamin Verbicek, uh, shout out to him. He said, you know, you cannot be too encouraging or too uh, loving to someone. Uh, and the gospel is good news. We So, it's something that we, it, it should be encouraging. Um, it should be something that gives life. And so when we share the gospel, um, and we should be sharing the gospel to ourselves. Like my pastor, he says that we leak gospel encouragement. And so we need it daily. We need gospel encouragement. We need to give that gospel encouragement. We need to speak that gospel encouragement over ourselves that Christ has forgiven us of all our sins freely. And he gave us his life. And he offers it to us freely. Uh, and, you know, when he becomes Lord of our life, he's, he's, he has total control of our lives. And like, I understand that there's a lot goes into this and people start using uh, talking points like, well, you got to be born again. It's like, is that something that you need to make a decision for? Like be persuasive, but like build that relationships, build those relationships first, I believe. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but that's all I'm trying to say is, we sh- we can't force the behavior outcomes of people. And that's one thing we we recognize in, in social work. It's like there's kids that have behavior issues, you know, and, and that are rooted in trauma. Like a lot of their behaviors are rooted in the trauma that they've experienced in, in life. And trauma, the way that it deals with the brain, there's like a trench that is in the brain that like a lot of neural pathways have to go through it. Uh, and, and it changes the decision-making process for a lot of people. And so there's like physiological, um, things that we're coming against here when we are dealing with people with trauma. And like I said, if we've, as Christians, we have caused trauma. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Like if we've caused the trauma, please don't perpetuate that trauma. Please don't misrepresent Christ by, by being hateful when you don't have to be when you're not sinning, um, when you can stand for truth in a graceful and loving way. Um, and I think in this way, we will change society and we will change culture. You know, I think because we've been so hateful that, that we've, that's the reason we've gotten the pushback that we've gotten from the LGBTQ community because we've been so toxic and so um, opinionated in, in, in so much so that we've dehumanized an entire people group. And that's what they've told us. And we need to listen to them, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's um, that's where my heart is. And I think if if some of this was hard for you to listen to or you disagreed, I'm like I said, I'm open to being, being corrected. Um, if, if you like the conversations that we've had here and you want to see me do more of it, please let me know. Uh, this is something that is really heavy on my heart because I have gay friends and I have... Uh, friends that are trans that I love very, very much. 
and they've expressed to me the hurt that we've caused as Christians to them. And, you know, it breaks my heart. Um, when they tell me how much they've been hurt, uh, when they tell me how they've been kicked out of their homes, uh, given death threats, um, sexually ab abused, um, you know, not listened to, bullied. Um, when they're dealing with something, you know, that, that is, I think it's beyond words, um, what they're dealing with. I think taking that into consideration when you interact with this group, um, you will find that, you know, th there are lots of wounds that need to be healed there, that we need to show the love of the true love of Christ to them. And we should, like I've been saying, we need to show them extra grace uh, when we interact with them. Um, and, and we need to show them gospel encouragement when we interact with them, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, like I said, I'm probably not going to edit this. I wanted to keep it real for y'all. Uh, I am very open to any pushback or any thoughts that you have. I, I, there's so much I could have went into, but, uh, you know, I wanted to just keep it to addressing what you guys were saying and me sharing my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll leave with this. If you don't have a gay, trans, you know, bisexual, lesbian friend, um, that's a problem. You got to love them. If you're, if, an, if you're an unaffirming Christian and you don't have a single friend within the LGBTQ community when, where you could, where you have the opportunity to, because I understand there's some places where it's just, you know, there just aren't that many. Um, but if there's somebody at work, there's somebody that is in within your, your you know, circle of friends or, or, or people that you interact with that you're not friends with, I challenge you to approach them and love them more, make your love for them more important than your love for your own personal convictions. Um, I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to remember that that is our number one priority is to love people. And while still holding our convictions, but not making that our convictions the priority, I think we need to rearrange our pri the, the, the priority order of how these things come across to people. If people see our convictions first, as th that's a barrier. But if they see that we love them more than our own personal convictions, you know, without will being willing to compromise those convictions, I think that's where we can find that happy medium, where we can love them, where we can heal those relationships, and where we can, you know, truly find a, a place where we can love one another, I think. Um, another thing I wanted to do is, and, and my friend Hunter, he recommended this, as Christians, we need to figure out ways how do we can heal and mend our relationships with the LGBTQ community. And one way we can do that is by giving towards um, practical ministries that help this community. And I think there's one that's like, it's called a tr trans housing ministry that we can give towards. Um, I want to give towards that. And I want to help ministries like that, that, you know, for people who are trans or, or within the LGBTQ community that have been kicked out of their homes and are literally homeless. I think this ministry, what they do is they, they give them housing. And they help them and they rehabilitate them. There's some that, you know, there's, and that's something we can do that's a practical help to that community. How awesome would it be 
if if a Christian organization is more known for how much they're giving towards that community rather than how much they're against it, because I know everybody accuses Chick Fil A of being you know transphobic, homophobic because they were giving towards um, conversion therapy type stuff. Like, how much better would it be if a Christian organization was known for, hey, we're going to help this community in any way possible, with without saying, you know, well, I'm 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 going to do everything you tell me to do without necessarily like kowtowing to their own to their views i mean i I think it's i think we can really really make a difference if we if we view this community as people that need help and they they need the love of jesus um so yeah i'm gonna look into that if you guys have any other ways that we can help this community if you are in the lgbtq community and you you can think of ways that we can help and donate in a practical way uh towards you know needs that this community has Please let me know. Um, all right, that's it. I'm now I'm going to do something that I haven't done for a long time. But if you enjoyed these conversations that I've had and, and this like little mini series that I've done, please let me know uh, by giving this podcast a five-star rating. If you hate it, if you love it, I would appreciate that five-star rating. And then tell me how much you love me or hate me in the review. I would love that. Um, and like I said, I am open to being corrected. If I'm wrong here, I would love to know how. Um, and I would love to make corrections. Um, but otherwise, yeah, please give me a rating that will help boost this podcast and to, to be seen on the podcast platforms. And, um, if you want to go the extra mile and help donate to this, you know, I don't want to call it a ministry, but this podcast, um, this podcast, my heart is to get a deeper conversation about the memes that, you know, there's so much you can talk about from memes and also to elevate Christian creators that, you know, or you don't know. So I'm going to be doing more uh, Christian Creator Spotlights. For those of you who have been part of that, uh, I'm going to be posting those soon, uh, right after I get back uh, to Pennsylvania. So if you want to give towards what we're doing here, uh, we have a Patre- what's like a Patreon-type thing. It's called Supercast. If you visit memesforjesus.supercast.com, uh, you can become a supporter for this podcast for as little as $2 a month, and that will give you access to early interviews, unedited interviews bonus uh content and a bunch of other stuff um and it would go a long way in supporting um the work that we're putting into this too so that's all i have to say i've rambled Uh, this is you know this was the me podcast given my opinion so there you go thank you so much for listening i love you god bless bye